And I invite you to join me in the Bible with the prophecy of Jeremiah chapter 6. The words of Jeremiah chapter 6, which you can find if you're inside, starting on Pew Bible page number 753. Pew Bible page 753, Jeremiah chapter 6. We said last Sunday that chapters 4, 5, and 6 all hang together as a unit about the terrible judgment that Jeremiah says is set to be poured out on the southern kingdom of Judah. Chapter 1 predicted it in the first place. Chapter 2 told us the reason why it was coming, which was Judah's spiritual adultery, that is, idolatry. Chapter 3 was a passionate plea from the Lord himself to Judah to repent and to escape that judgment. And then last week we looked at chapters 4 and 5, which poignantly and painfully expressed the belly-busting and heart-pounding anguish that Jeremiah felt himself as he contemplated the right and righteous judgment to come upon his people. Chapter 6 just continues this theme of impending judgment and doom. And it continues this theme of lament. The sadness of the prophet at the awful message that he has to deliver. Has to. You can hear it in his voice as he continues even now to implore his people to repent. And yet they don't. I want to read just one verse to you this morning before we pray. It'll be the key verse for this message, and it will sound encouraging at first, but then there's a sting at the tail. Let me read to you Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16, and then we'll pray and think about what all of this chapter 6 has to say to us today. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Jeremiah 6.16 is a great verse for graduation Sunday. When I realized this week that we might land on it on grad Sunday, I was like, That's great. Thank you, Lord. Jeremiah 6.16 is a great verse for the graduates we are celebrating this morning because you guys are at a crossroads in your own life. Candace, Josh, Caitlin, Jeremiah, Gretchen, you have not only reached a significant milestone in your life, but this is one of those key moments when it's really wise to step back and take stock of your life and consider which directions you want to move in. Which roads you want to travel down. Especially because this might be the first time in your life when you really get to choose for yourself. The options aren't limited by your parents or by your school district. You are launching out on your own. And Jeremiah the prophet, not Jeremiah the graduate, (laughs) Jeremiah Michaels is going to be really confused today because sometimes I will be talking about him. Jeremiah the prophet has a great metaphor for taking stock of your life and choosing your life's direction. It's the metaphor of the crossroads. How many churches and ministries have been called crossroads after this verse? 
Listen to it again. We will return to this verse over and over again this morning. Jeremiah 6, 16. This is what the Lord says. God's word to us today. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I have just three points of application for us to consider today. And they are all one word each. And each word begins with the same letter, the letter L. The first one is right there in verse 16. It is, number one, look. Look. Jeremiah says, stand at the crossroads and look. Jeremiah is giving Judah yet another chance. He's telling them that they ought to stop and take stock of what direction they're headed in. Look before you leap, we say. Judah was not headed in a good and godly direction and had not been for many decades. And the Lord sent Jeremiah to say, Judah, stop, stop, look around, think about what you're doing here, think about where that road heads, think about where you're going. And of course, that's good counsel for our graduates and for all of us as well. Stop. Look around. Think about where you're headed. Now, obviously, all of our grads have some good plans for their futures. Misty has summarized what they all said in the bulletin for us. But the directions that Jeremiah is talking about here are deeper than just educational and vocational. This is talking about a total way of life. The Lord is inviting Judah to take a good, hard look at themselves and see what they're doing with their whole lives. Stand at the crossroads and look. Really look. And don't just try to figure it out on your own. Ask for help. Listen to verse 16 again. Twice he says to ask for roadside assistance. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. Do you get this picture in your mind's eye? The metaphor is somebody who might be lost. They might have lost their way. They're not sure which way is the right way or the best way to go. Do you ever go hiking and you're not quite sure which one is the path that you're on? Right? There aren't enough blazes or the sign wasn't clear and I can kind of see where I could go this way. I can kind of see where I could go this way. And you're at the crossroads. You're examining the different directions. What do you do then? Some of you guys are like, I don't know. I don't ask for directions, right? Many of us are instinctively reaching for our phones right now. Just when I start hearing about directions, I start tapping my phone like, okay, I'll get it out. GPS, Google Maps. That's a way of asking for help. Judah didn't have GPS in this metaphor. In this metaphor, they had to stop and ask for some help from another person. They needed a wise person to offer that help. Candace, Josh, Caitlin, Jeremiah, and Gretchen, do you have wise and godly people in your lives that you can ask for help 
when you're looking for direction? Church family, do you? Do you have wise and godly people in your lives that you can ask for help when you're looking for direction? Do you ask them for help? Ask for the ancient paths. Now that does not mean that if it's older, it's better. (laughs) Sometimes we get to be traditionalists who think that if it's the way we used to do it, then that would be the best way. They don't do it the way we used to. Well, sometimes the old way is better. Sometimes the new way is better. It's how we got the old ways. They were new ways at one point. The word ancient here could be translated everlasting. It's the word olam. So it's the everlasting paths. It means God's paths, the original paths, the way of wisdom. Not just the old ones, but the wise ones. The ancient roadway that God set up for us to walk in the first place. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. Because it's not always obvious. Which way is the safe way? Which way is the reliable way? Which way gets us where I'm supposed to be going? Which way is the straight way? Does this kind of talk remind you of anything? My mind immediately goes to the most quoted verses for graduates every May. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And with good reason. Say it with me if you know it. Trust in the Lord with and lean not on your in all of your ways and He will make your yeah, in all your ways. Same word as here. Same paths. So that's asking the Lord which path to take and then trusting Him when He gives you the answer. And that's point number two this morning. Second L word Listen. Not just, don't just look. Don't just ask for that wisdom, but listen to the wisdom and then follow it. Actually choose to walk the good path. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is. And what does he say? Walk in it. Listen. That, of course, makes me also think about Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He listens. And then he listens some more. Then he turns it around in his mind and he listens some more. And because of that he rejects the path of folly and he chooses the ancient path of wisdom. Candace, Josh, Caitlin, Jeremiah, Gretchen, today we gave each of you a Bible. I hope we've been giving you the wisdom of the Bible for many years. My counsel for you today is simply listen to it. Don't just read it. Walk in it. Because sadly Judah did not Did you hear the sting in the tail of verse 16? When I was a young man, I discovered Jeremiah 6.16, and for a while it was kind of like my life verse. I loved it. I memorized it. I was quoting it all the time. But I always stopped short of quoting to myself that last fatal part where Judah says, where Jeremiah says to Judah, but you said, we will not walk in it. They refused They refused 
to listen. Sadly, that is the theme of chapter 6. They did not listen. Let's jump back up to the top of the chapter and see how they refused. Look at verse 1. It starts out a lot like chapter 4 did with the call to run away. Verse 1. Flee for safety, people of Benjamin. Flee from Jerusalem. Sound the trumpet in Tekoa. Raise the signal over Beth Hakarim. For disaster looms out of the north, even terrible destruction. Run away! There's disaster on the way. He says, from the north, like we saw before. That's going to turn out to be Babylon. But it's not just Babylon. It's the Lord Himself. Verse 2, I will destroy the daughter of Zion. So beautiful and delicate. So, so beloved by the Lord, and yet so wicked. Shepherds with their flocks will come against her. They will pitch their tents around her, each tending his own portion in his mind's eye. They're surrounded. And then they speak, the, the leaders of the commanders of the advancing army speak, prepare for battle against her. Arise, let us attack at noon. But alas, the daylight is fading and the shadows of evening grow long. So arise, let us attack at night and destroy her fortresses. Either they are so anxious to attack that they'll do it whenever they can, or they are so ruthless that they're not going to stop morning, noon, or night. Either way, it's terrible for Judah. Verse 6, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Cut down the trees and build seed ramps against Jerusalem. This is, this is the Lord who loves Jerusalem. He's saying, cut down all the trees around Jerusalem and build ramps and enemy come in and attack it. Why? The city must be punished. It is filled with oppression. As a wit, I got lost here. The city must be punished. It is filled with the oppression. As a well pours out its water, so she pours out her wickedness. Violence and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and wounds are ever before me. Then he says, take warning, O Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you and make your land desolate so that no one can live in it. He's saying, he's saying listen. The Lord is saying that this city is so wicked that he must bring judgment on them. He must bring judgment on them or it would, he would be unjust. Their wickedness, he says, is like a fresh fountain with fresh evil every day. Like school shootings. In grocery store shootings, every day, violence and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and wounds are ever before me. He says, but it doesn't have to be that way. Take warning, O Jerusalem. Even now the Lord pleads with them to repent. He's pleading with them, return to me. Verse 9. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Let them glean the remnant of Israel as thoroughly as a vine. Pass your hand over the branches again like one gathering grapes. Jeremiah, try to find someone out there who will listen. Like that, like that guy going out and trying to find a grape somewhere. Try every single one, he says. Verse 10. To whom can I speak and give warning? Who will listen to me? 
Their ears are closed so they cannot hear. The word of the Lord is offensive to them. They find no pleasure in it. He says they're going, I'm not listening. I can't hear you. They got their fingers in their ears. It's worse than that. This verse actually says that their ears are literally foreskinned. They are uncircumcised. Their ears are disobedient and they refuse to belong to the Lord. And that rightly and righteously fills the Lord with wrath. And so that rightly and righteously fills Jeremiah with wrath. Listen listen to verse 11. But I am full of the wrath of the Lord. And I cannot hold it in. Pour it out on the children in the street and on the young men gathered together. Both husband and wife will be caught in it. And the old, those weighed down with years. Do you hear the justice in this? And also the anger and also the anguish of the Lord all mixed perfectly together. Just filling up the prophet. Jeremiah is full to the brim with the hot anger of the Lord against their wickedness and he can't hold it in any longer so the prophet must prophesy. And when he prophesies, the wrath pours in and the judgment will reach everybody. Some of the commentators that I read this week quoted Julia Ward Howe at this point in their comments on this passage. That song that Misty played at the end of the prelude this morning, mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the fateful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. The American Civil War was just a foretaste of that wrath poured out on the sin of American-style slavery. As was the terrible sacking of Jerusalem in 586 B.C., just a foretaste of the great wrath to come at the end of the age. But that foretaste was evil enough, not awful enough, awful enough. Verse 12 says that Judah will be uprooted Their houses will be turned over to others together with their fields and their wives when I stretch out my hand against those who live in the land, declares the Lord. Why? Why has it got to be like this? Why this exile? Why this being uprooted? It's because they refused to listen. Verse 13. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wounds of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Shalom, shalom, when there is no shalom. All is well, all is well, when all is not well. But that's what the people want to hear. Sounds so good. 
Candace, Josh, Caitlin, Jeremiah, Gretchen, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Unless it's a true promise from God. And then it's too good to not be true because he's too good to not be true. But if God says there is no peace, there is no peace. If God says that we need to repent, then we need to repent. Don't listen to the false preachers of peace that just tell you what you want to hear. Don't listen to the prosperity preachers. Don't listen to the fakers and the liars and the pretenders and the hucksters and the con artists who just tell you what you want to hear. That road leads to danger. And folks like that almost never admit it. Verse 15, are they ashamed of their loathsome conduct? Peace, peace. No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when I punish them, says the Lord. Listen, he says. Listen. Here's our key, word, our key verse for today again. Verse 16, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you, the prophets, and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Therefore hear, O nations, They're not going to listen. He's going to call in the nations to witness. Observe, O witnesses, what will happen to them. Hear, O earth, I'm bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. Do you hear it? Do you hear what happens when you refuse to listen to the Lord? The people of Judah thought they could get away with it by not repenting, But by being really religious, by going to church a lot. See, I'm going to live how I want to live six days a week, and then I'm going to go to church and make it all up on on the weekend. Right? I'm going to give a lot. I'm going to do the religious rituals like a game. But the Lord will have none of it. Verse 20, what do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from a distant land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. See, they had said, if you want sacrifices, great. I'm going to do exotic sacrifices. I'm going to bring in some exotic stuff to really spice up worship. And then he's going to be really impressed. I'm not going to repent. But I'm going to add all this stuff. The Lord says, what does that mean? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. I'll put obstacles before this people. Fathers and sons alike will stumble over them. Neighbors and friends will perish. This is what the Lord says. Look, an army is coming from the land of the north. A great nation is being stirred from the ends of the earth. Babylon again. They're armed with bow and spear. They're cruel and show no mercy. 
They sound like the roaring sea as they ride on their horses. They come like men in battle formation to attack you, O daughter of Zion. We've heard reports about them and our hands hang limp. Anguish has gripped us, pain like that of a woman in labor. Do not go out to the fields or walk in the roads for the enemy has a sword and there is terror on every side. That's one of Jeremiah's favorite phrases or least favorite phrases, but it's one of his signature lines. Terror on every side. Terror on every side. That's what comes when you refuse to listen. Terror on every side. You could hear his anguish even as you know it's right, right? Is Jeremiah excited about this? Is he like, woo, yeah, go get him, Lord. No, he can't help but say it and he knows that it's right and at the same time, it's agony. Verse 26, Oh, my people, put on sackcloth and roll in ashes, mourn with bitter wailing as for an only son, for suddenly the destroyer will come upon us. It's over. Jeremiah says it's over. Because you didn't stand at the crossroads and look. You didn't ask for the ancient paths. You didn't ask for the good way. And when you heard about the right way, you didn't go. You didn't listen. So the Lord makes Jeremiah a a tester of metals. Sometimes we call it an an assayer. It's a metallurgist, but it's somebody who's like, it's their job to say the quality of, of the, of the metal. John, you used to do this with wood, right? You used to test the quality of, was it lumber, timber? You'd say, okay, this one's good, this one's no good, this one goes to this pile, it's good for firewood, it's, this one's good here for, for um, building things out of or woodworking or whatever. The, the, in the uh, gold rush, the assayer was to figure out if it was good gold or not. Right? Like if you go up to Miracle Mountain Ranch tomorrow, I think they have a, a sayer's office as part of their deal. Well, in this metaphor, the metaphor is silver. The Lord says in this metaphor that the prophet was an assayer of the genuineness of Judah's repentance. Was it silver quality repentance? Look at verse 27. I have made you, Jeremiah, a tester of metals. And my people are the ore, that you may observe and test their ways. And here's the official report from the assayer's office. They're all hardened rebels going about to slander. They are bronze and iron. They all act corruptly. The bellows blow fiercely to burn away the lead with fire. But the refining goes on and on in vain. The wicked are not purged out. They are called rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. They refused to listen, so the Lord has refused them. There's no true silver here. There is no true repentance. They have refused to take the ancient paths. But you and I still can. The invitation of verse 16 is still open to you and me today. 
And here's point number three of three. Live. Live. Stop and look. Ask and then listen. And then truly live. Truly live it out with the life worth living. Look one more time at verse 16 and stop this time before the sting at the end. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. What's he say? And you will find rest for your souls. Ha <laughs> ha. Doesn't that sound good? Man. And doesn't it sound a lot like something you've heard someone else say somewhere else? I believe that Jesus was intentionally hypertexting back to these words when he said in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He'll give us peace. He'll give us harmony. He'll give us the life that is truly life if we follow him. Because he himself is the ancient path. He says he himself is the good way. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that everyone who comes through him comes to the Father and gets true life. Isn't that good news? Here's where true life is. Stand at the crossroads. Follow Jesus. That's where life is. Candace, Josh, Caitlin, Jeremiah, Gretchen, follow Jesus. Lance Free Church, follow Jesus. Ask where the ancient paths are. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls.